0: Hello and welcome to the brand new 2019 System Mastery Podcast. We've changed everything. Completely different show and format. All new attitudes, new hosts, new segments, and an optimism born of the fucking future. So sit back and prepare as we review a a Palladium game from from the late 90s and basically go off topic and, and fuck around and, oh shit, it's the same show. It's systems failure on, on system mastery. So we'll try again in twenty twenty. Welcome back to the brand new first episode of 2019 System Mastery. As always, I'm your host Jeff, joined again as always by my co-host John. And John, for the first time this year, let me ask, how you doing? I am amazing. Yeah, that's, that's not true. I'm that's, not amazing. You are. I've, I haven't been amazing in forever. You're tolerable. I am definitely okay. <laughs> thumbs up. Yeah, I give you a, a straight thumbs up. Oh, well, that's good to hear. Do you have uh, do you have New Year's plans? Are you going to be up late? Uh, I'm always up late. It's me. I don't sleep. Well okay, but are you gonna be up late in your room idly playing some sort of collectible card game that no one actually collects? or are you gonna do a thing? Uh I'm gonna go visit with a friends. Oh, that sounds nice. One friends one multiple, fri- one friends. so so two friends. yes. <laughs> and maybe they'll have some people and and they will have people and they'll have two people. And they'll have two people, and so on, and then eventually and so Samara will kill everybody. On. Yeah, because you're going to show the ring at the party, right? Obviously. Yeah, yeah. Do they have a VHS player at their house? No. Oh, so you got to bring one. Well, I mean, what we're going to be doing is going off of the uh, the classic Rings movie, wherein the VHS gets ripped to uh, a digital format. Ah, and so it's on some manner of YouTube that isn't YouTube. Like they have on the internet? on Oh, no, movies. it's just files. Oh, okay, so it's just getting emailed to people. Yeah. It's like a, a, a .mp4 or something. Man, Rings is a stupid fucking movie. I'm going to go ahead and say that right now. I, have, I haven't seen it. It's I... like a professor finds it, and then he just starts doing shit where he'll, like, show someone it, and then they have to show someone. It. Like, he just starts doing a chain, and it's never explained how he knows that he should do that. I mean, Samara's a weird, mean piece of shit, so maybe she like sensed a kindred spirit and started telling him what to do with it instead of just murdering him. <laughs> it's a it's a very weird, unexplained movie that then goes into the backstory of Samara and like where she was actually born. It's a it's a weird movie. Okay, fair enough. Uh so this week on System this Mastery. This Moek Ma week. This ma week, ma week, ma week. <laughs> <laughs> I had to put on a hat to deliver that flub. Ha <laughs> ha yeah, as soon as you said it, just a trilby appeared out of nowhere. I don't even have I used to own four trilby things, like four fedoras or trilbies or whatever. Uh not that I ever wore them. Like John can can, can attest to the fact that he has never seen me in one or No, or, you or, just had a stack of four of them. I did, which be- was because I stole them from a closet of disguise stuff at at a, at a job I used to have. <laughs> yeah. I mean, steals a harsh word in this situation. Each one of them was one of 256 identical hats. Well, so when I t- and for for a guys and dolls themed fundraiser party that w- that had been held in nineteen ninety eight, ah! so I didn't feel that bad lifting them from a storage closet where they were going to sit until the end of time. Yeah, just moldering until they disintegrated. Yeah, so I mean these things were so old that they were from the most recent swing revival. Law. So I took them just because I thought it'd be kind of fun to have them so I could make shitty jokes. And then it turned out that they just took up space and I got rid of them. And it, then it turns out that every time you take something because you're like, ha this will be funny, it will sit there for a while and eventually you're like, oh, I probably shouldn't have done for this. For example, see that sombrero that someone gave me that I still have up there. I have, I have never had occasion to use a sombrero for anything. No. N- not even for its actual intended purpose, which is to wear to keep the sun off my neck. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed, not. I have the the uh, equivalent of a sombrero up there, the Quicksilver Sun Lifeguard type hat. I have Quicksilver up there. I have Quicksilver up there. He's the equivalent of a sombrero, of course, because he can run so fast that he can he can shade me on all sides. Exactly, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he does. Yeah. Systems so, failure. Systems failure is a Bill Coffin uh, Palladium book. Now, this is a notable thing to, to mention to, uh, at the top of the hour here. Uh, Bill Coffin is. Pretty well known among Palladium fans as the one who broke ranks and said some shit. Yeah. Now, normally, uh, Palladium has either a fairly stable group of people that are contributors, Mm -hmm. uh, and they are fairly loyal to the point where they wouldn't really talk shit. I think it's mostly because they they work out of the house that that has uh, built in, you know, whatever part of uh, Minnesota he happens to live in or whatever that is. I forget what state he's in. Uh I don't know. He's in uh, Deer Tick Minnesota Min, Min, Minnesotagan. Minnesota again. Yeah, upper the upper peninsula of Minnesotagan. He's in Wisconsinoy. <laughs> that's the one. He is in North Dakota. South. <laughs> <laughs> I could just say. Mouth. Da- that's me. <laughs> I could have just said Dakota, but it's more fun to combine North and South into <laughs> one word. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wherever he is, he's you know he's not near the uh, any kind of mainstream publishing houses. So I, I assume that the the authors he picks up are folks who are local and don't really get the opportunity to well, go that's elsewhere. Where everyone he picks up is someone that's local, exactly. Well, Bill Coffin eventually decided to kind of write a tell all post on I forget if it's EN World or RPG Net or whatever, where he was like. This is why every Palladium game is two years late and doesn't make any sense and Bill and uh, Simbita himself keeps sticking forwards in there where he takes credit for shit he didn't write. Yeah. That he was the guy who put out that famous like this is how Palladium works post. Yeah. If you are a fan and know about it, you've probably at least heard about the post and the stuff the like that came from it, mm-hmm. even if you haven't read it. Yeah. I mean, it's old. It's it, the the post is older than say the the Robotech Kickstarter fiasco. Oh yeah, uh, but but it, it definitely it basically says, oh he was he's still working with a glue machine, and he'll forget that he gave you an order, and then when you deliver the paper on time, he's like, this doesn't have any this doesn't make any fucking sense. This is Symbita being described here, yeah, because he'll be like, oh yeah, definitely write me a twenty one a two hundred page book about Rifts Greenland, and then while you're writing it, he'll dream up new things. He'll he'll basically go, look, what I want is Rifts Greenland, and Try and work in X. Yeah. And then while you're doing that, he sits there going, you know, if I was going to write Rift's Greenland, it would have this and this and this. And he doesn't write anything or tell you any of this. No. But then when you turn the book and he's like, well, why doesn't it have any things that I thought of? Yeah. And then he'll, like, fire you and slap his name on the top of your thing and add a random picture that he had Wayne draw 15 years ago <laughs> and call it the grackle-nosed hog tailor or something and be like, there, done. Go ahead. Print it. It's fine now. Yeah. So I don't know how much of that is is actual, but it sounds pretty right given the the books, the many dozens of books I've read over the years. Yeah. I mean, given the little bits that we've heard from other people that have worked there, Mm -hmm. the little snippets, and of course, how the company has been shown to be run in, you know, the past. Yeah. So this book's notable because it's just Bill Coffin's name on there. And I, I have not seen his name on the cover of anything else. No, I didn't bother to look up if Bill Coffin had done anything else. Yeah. And, of course, it's only Bill Coffin's name on the front, whereas if you look on the side of the book, it still says Bill Coffin and Kevin (laughs) Sabina. I didn't even notice that. Oh, my gosh. I see. I went through the book with a comb trying to spot... Uh, I- instances of, of forward by Kevin Sambita where he's like, this is a great idea I had that I made Bill Coffin right. Which he did do. Yeah, there's a few of those in there. He's like, uh, this was a uh, an idea I had that was a joke and Bill Coffin really took my idea that I had that was definitely mine and he would made something great out of my idea Kevin sambita I-, I love how you give him a slightly deeper register than you actually have when we've met him on more than one occasion and he doesn't sound like that at all. Oh, no. Although for some reason in my head, Kevin sambita is just sort of. Of like you're turning him into Jameson. Yes, he turns into Jameson in my head. Like yeah. when I when I think, I was like, I need, I need RPGs, RPGs about Spider Man. <laughs> I bet he would love to get the Spider-Man license. Oh, he would love to mishandle the Spider-Man license. That's completely his his deal. We'd, we'd spend decades reading about bio e- Spider-E. <laughs> oh, please, like he would come up with a new term. It would still be Bio-E. That's true. it would still have that one art piece of a man turning into a wolf over four stages. It'd be like, in order for Spider-Man to use his Spider-Sense, he uses three PPE. And you're like, oh, what? <laughs> Spider-Man has access to animal psionics. <laughs> I mean, it depends on which part of Spider-Man you're reading. Does Spider-Man want to talk to a spider? <laughs> I'm doing the face, but, you know, it doesn't I'm, matter. I'm, do- I'm, doing I'm doing that found in the closet of the ring face. Let, it, let the record show that I'm doing the face. Yeah. Uh, okay, so, <laughs> anyway, Systems Failure is an RPG about Y2K. Yeah, the- so it's, it is uh, appropriate that we are doing it as the new year, because the entire thing is... Essentially based off of the joke of Y2K bug, Mm -hmm. because your main antagonists are big old bugs. Yes, exactly. Uh, The basic premise of the book, which we will go into greater detail on, because we have to, because it's a Palladium book and we've done Palladium four times already, uh, is... When Y2K happened, uh, all the power went off all over the world for a couple of minutes, which was all the opportunity that some evil trans-dimensional energy bugs needed to invade our world. Well, I mean, they caused the power outage. Oh, yeah. Okay, fair enough. They caused the power outage, and then they invaded our world, and, and uh, then several years went by, and now the game is set in a world where you can't really use gridded electricity because bugs will come popping out of your phone or whatever. Uh, giant full-size anthropomorphic bug men will come popping out of whatever electrical hardline you set up and murder you. Uh, so it's a lot, it's basically riffs Light, where there's only one weird transdimensional threat. Yeah, it's a a post-apocalyptic setting, but it's very narrowly focused on the one thing it does, which is one of the first things that separates this from a standard Palladium title, is that it actually has a singular focus to it? Yes. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna say later that it does hit some of the same weird stumbling blocks that every other Palladium book with a single focus does. Say for example, Nightbane. Uh, Nightbane is. What's going on in the world? Oh, there's these these evil mon or there's good guy monsters with morphoses because you're being invaded by the shadowlands and so you have to use the power of the shadow against the monsters from the shadow and it's a whole griddly uh, gribbly grit battle between evil and even eviler uh, and you know everything's all dark and gothic and vampire type stuff. Also, there's short good guy paladin aliens that can shoot beams of pure holy energy that don't really matter but are definitely in the book. See, that's that is standard for Palladium. I feel yeah. like systems failure. Actually skirts that a mm. lot. I don't know if it necessarily hits that mark because the and it's going to come down to a, a, a question of flavor. I think the Norad splicers are. Oh, I think Norad is part of the setting instead of being a weird sideline that makes no sense. Now, in, in terms that's true. It's 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 better integrated into the setting. But in terms of being oh, also there's a race of inscrutable, weird, can't integrate into society paladins that rebel against the general grittiness that everyone else is a part of. Uh, it it's just standard Palladium by the book. Like, every Palladium book has that nonsense in it. But let's push forward and start from the beginning instead of from the end. What do you say? Okay. We can have that fight later. Yeah. Because you're all gearing up to fight me I, I was just gearing up yeah. to just take some swings. Yeah. All right. Let's do, once again, the Palladium quick overview. So... Making this uh, character in this game, you've got eight attributes. Oh boy, can I name them? I don't know, can you? Uh, let's see, I uh, intelligence quotient, mental endurance, mental affinity, physical strength, physical prowess, physical endurance, uh, physical beauty, and speed. And that is exactly in the order it is in the book, too. Thank you. Yay, you did it. <laughs> uh, you roll 3d6 down the line, which again, Jesus Christ, why... Uh, and if you manage to get a 16 or above on that 3d6, you get to roll another six-sided die. If that's a six, you get to roll another one, and then that's it. So you're basically looking at anything between three and 30. hmm The... <laughs> you're basically looking at a lot of 10s and 11s. Yeah. The sad part is 90% of the shit in this book, the difference between a three and a 15 is nothing. Mm-hmm. Because bonuses only start at 16, which means if I have a 3 IQ, I am exactly as smart game mechanic-wise as someone with a 15. Yeah. But uh, there are a couple exceptions. Speed does have a... Uh, uh, direct and raw mechanical calculation, yeah. Yeah, you have to multiply your speed by a thing, which gives you a speed. And physical strength, while the bonuses to damage only start at 16 or above, your lifting capacity does technically count your overall strength. So yeah, and I there think, is a difference there. And physical endurance does determine your starting hit point value. So there are a few of them where there's just a raw mechanical translation. Uh, but most of them are like, oh, it doesn't really matter what your mental endurance is unless you have a really high one. And even then, it probably doesn't. Let's be honest. Well, yeah, because all that matters is, you know, mental endurance, you're going to get a plus one if you have a 16 or 17. And you get plus zero below that, but it's not like having a three gives you, like, a minus three. A plus one to what, John? I'm not just collecting random plus ones over here. Oh, it's, uh, versus psionic attack. Thank you. Or insanity. Okay, that's fair. Or insanity, which, unfortunately, every time insanity gets mentioned in this book, there's no save versus it. It's just, go roll on the neuroses table and you have one of those now. Fuck you. Yeah, there's very few things in palladium that actually tells you this is a save versus insanity Mm -hmm. even though the plus versus insanity for mental endurance is in every book that is correct yeah i think there's like maybe a sidebar a couple of times where it goes like oh if you're exposed to something and you fail whatever then you'll have to save versus insanity but it is Very rare. It's super rare, and it's rare for a good reason, because these games also incorporate a horror factor mechanic. So if you see something that you should not, like if you're seeing a color from out of space or whatever the fuck, you roll against the horror factor. You don't roll against insanity. Yeah, and horror factor is not under mental endurance, Mm -hmm. which is fucking weird. You'd think it would be. It would be the perfect place to put it. And yet, and yet. Yeah, in fact, it's not under any of the statistics, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I don't think there's any way to get a bonus versus horror factor outside of just OCCs. Yeah, having it from what you are. Yes. So it's I don't know, yeah. uh, cargo cult, not cargo cult design. Uh, the kind of design that is why there's like still codes of, or fragments of the original code for Doom in like the most modern of video games yeah because why take them out of there at this point yeah, I, I mean it works whatever fine. yeah it's fine don't ever change anything it's fine if i changed anything about the rules i'd have to release a whole new edition of rifts yeah and then a whole new edition of every other thing and it also all of it works fine i, I can't imagine him being like i need to re- release a whole new edition of palladium fantasy Who? Cares? no one plays that no one cares yeah <laughs> we got dots in here we got palladium fantasy here see No one cares. (laughs) Keep your voice down. I'm trying to play as a mind mage. (laughs) Or a diabolist or whatever the hell. I don't remember that game. I don't know what's in there. It's the weirdest one. So you have what is known as SDC and hit points. Mm -hmm. SDC stands for structural damage capacity. Hit points are hit points. And uh, the difference between the two of them is that stuff that doesn't have a soul will have structural damage capacity. Stuff that does have a soul will have hit points. Uh, That rule falls out the window when you deal with a mega damage environment. Which this is not, so we're not going to touch it. That's the easiest way to do it. I mean, it's not a perfect shorthand. but Basically, SDC is bruises, Uh and hit points is actual damage. Yeah, but you can't put actual damage on a door. You can only bruise it to death. Well, yeah, there's no point where the door is like ow, you broke my bone, because essentially as long as the door can still hold, mm-hmm. that counts for it having SDC. Yeah, now I've seen sidebars in various Playtime games where even he's like, okay, so here's the thing, a door might have 100 SDC, right? What if you shoot it for 80 SDC? Is it still just a door? Does it literally have to get all 100 SDC off it for it to cease functionality as a door? And the answer to that is no. You start knocking it full of holes and shit, and you can shoot through it if you want. It's really up to you to determine how much SDC equates doorness. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas I generally would say yes, because over 100 would be destroying it, whereas at 100 is you've ruined its ability to function as a door. So you spent all, let's say you take out a machine gun and hose down a door, until such time as you hit 100, you've only hit it in the hinges. Well, until such time, there's a few holes in it, mm-hmm. but it's not like, oh, the door isn't going to hold up anymore. What does a door with one SDC look like? Uh, I don't know. A door that's ready to fall apart, but is still standing? <laughs> but you can't like put a gun through it and shoot someone on the other side at this point. I mean, you could. Oh, okay, fair. All right. You just as hit long that as you do one, one SDC. SDC. <laughs> Anyway, uh in addition to that, the game has uh what was it? Oh, uh armor rating is the other thing in this that mm-hmm. doesn't show up much in like rifts, but you have to get a total on your roll to hit of Above the armor rating to do anything. So if I have an armor rating of eleven, yes, then when you roll to hit me, you have to get a twelve or better. That's including bonuses to hit. Yes, in order to do anything to me, otherwise you hit the armor and you damage the armor's SDC instead of me. Yeah. Now, notably, if it's a natural AR, mm-hmm. you do nothing. Right. Uh, notably, everything in the Rifts universe has a, na- a natural AR of five. Like, that's the lowest... You have to roll at least a, a well, higher... Well, technically, everything, period, has yes, a natural exactly. AR of five. Exactly. You can't hit anything by rolling a, a five or under on a d20. Four or under. Four or under on a d20, even with bonuses. Yeah. If you roll... Well, technically, it's just that you need to roll above four with bonuses. Mm-hmm. Most so, so it's not really a relevant statistic. Well, I mean, if you only have a plus one to hit and you roll a three, then you technically miss. Yeah. I'm just casting about for new things to say about playing in-games. I don't think we mentioned the fact that the to hit in this game is you are assumed to hit as long as you rolled a five or better. Yes. Uh, The defense in this is active unless you manage to find a way into getting an automatic dodge. Yeah. There's one of them I can think of in this book specifically. Yeah. Uh, But... Otherwise, you have to spend one of your actions to defend against something. So if someone did roll sort of shitty, but they still hit you, they're like, oh, I got a six. You're like, all right, it's probably worth it for me to expend a dodge. But if someone goes, I rolled with bonuses like a 22, you're like, eh, I'm not going to spend an action to try and get out of the way, because I won't. Yeah. So, uh... (sighs) Man, I mean we've just talked about palladium stuff so many times. And if you're wondering why we're doing a relatively short palladium book, it's because we had to read this over the the you know, Christmas holiday for us. Uh so neither of us had a whole lot of time and this was convenient. Well, I like to say it's because it was relevant to the new year and not because we're lazy. We aren't lazy, we're busy. <laughs> we're we're regular humans who who are entitled to some vacation time. We're biz lazy. Yeah. <laughs> we work hard, John. Now One of the interesting things that gets added into this, and I'm going to go ahead and say, before we even get to the end, this is probably the best put together main book in Palladium that I've seen. I mean, I'm going to have to agree with you. It's not my favorite, but it is... Very to-the-point, direct, and all the pieces do kind of lock up correctly. You still have the standard Palladium meat and potatoes underneath that. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's unfortunately still tied to the Palladium system. Yeah. Someone made a very, very well-crafted and nice flag and stuck it into a messy pile of loose beef that is your standard Palladium episode. (laughs) Now, uh, as I was saying, one of the neat things about this is because the game takes place nine years after The Meltdown, which Mm -hmm. is... The uh, point where Y2K happened and the bugs first started invading. Mm -hmm. uh, You have to roll for background. So your background is, what were you before this happened? And it gives you a certain set of skills based on what you were before this. Mm -hmm. So you might have been just like a kid, and you'll get some physical skills because it's what were you. You were a scrappy young kid. Maybe you were a doctor. Maybe you were whatever. Whatever. So it gives you some extra skills, but it also says those never increase. Those were skills you had in your old life, so unless you want to spend skills from your current uh, OCC, then those are just sort of atrophied at where they were, Mm -hmm. and it's an interesting way to go about saying like, oh, this is how we represent a character that has a class based in the apocalypse, but also has flavor of... Being alive before it. I like that. I I really do appreciate the idea that everyone, everyone you can play as in this game was born before the big event happened, and so so they have memories from from the old life. They have skills from a life that no that are no longer relevant. I don't know that it necessarily holds together when you get to the OCCs and all of them are like, well, I've been a lawman long as I can reckon, Spatoon. Like it's just sort of. It, I don't know if they were. Written, it feels like they may not have been written by the same person. No, I mean because the law like there is a lawman occ but it just says you decided to essentially become a lawman in the yeah the and you went and you went really method with it there's no point where you're like you know 9 years ago i was a physical education teacher instead you're like yep uh huh i reckon see i think that's you projecting because i, I, I don't didn't think get it that is cuz there's a ton of quotes in there not just for the lawman but also specifically for the the, uh, the mechanic and the sawbones both get a lot of these like aw shucks i'm i'm an old-timey prospector style quotes built into their character, like, into the uh, descriptions of them that are like, I feel like they really built too much, I- I've been living in a hard a hard life for forever flavor. in, the- I-, I don't know. Maybe I'm a little bit more negative on this book than you are. But just a I little bit, because I think I-, I-, I actually did kind of enjoy this. I just think it doesn't necessarily narratively hold, hold together. Well, the big thing is, most of the people that you're going to be playing as are going to be people who are like, what are you? Oh, I lived in a small town my whole life. Or, yeah, true. I'm someone who's been out in the wilderness, because all... Major metropolitan areas are taken over by bugs. Yes. So if you were someone who was like, oh, yeah, I was born and raised in New York City. Well, you're probably either under bug control or a zombie or making terrible uh, uh, salsa or making terrible salsa for the bugs. Yeah. The the bugs eat terrible salsa. That's what they love. I forgot to mention that earlier. When the bugs came through, the first thing they did was destroy any semblance of good Texan salsa. Yeah. And so now all we have is salsa from New York City. New York City? Get a rope. (laughs) You remember when I was a kid and I watched those commercials and I grew up, you know, in L.A. and San Diego, uh, I remember thinking, Texas isn't a good place for salsa. They're going to put fucking cornmeal and chili powder in it like weirdos. Yeah, I know. It's very weird to grow up in, like, Southern California and see commercials all over the place that are like oh el paso and i'm like texas ew Ew. get a get a rope (laughs) get get out of here (laughs) give me give me some good old california salsa yeah that's the good shit you know i know we're equally close to mexico but we're close to the good part (laughs) (laughs) yeah well we're both equally close to mexico but Also, you're Texas. Yeah, it has to run through a Texas filter first, where we're like, hell yeah, fish tacos, give me that straight shit the same way that Mexican folks eat it. And you're like, what if I made this into a piece of cornbread first? What if I took your Mex and made it Tex? Yeah. No, No, don't. Don't do that. Gross. Quit putting corn in everything. Yeah. Get your niblets out of fucking everything, you (sighs) piece of shit. Yeah. In in New York, you keep making New York-style salsa, whatever that is. I don't care. I don't think it's anything definitely all. do be inordinately proud of it though that's, i'm sure that, that's the important the important thing about new york salsa is the water <laughs> it's mostly water it's mostly red water a- The red is blood there's bagels in it hey hey i'm salsa in here <laughs> i said on the dance floor when someone bumped into me <laughs> i made this in salsa class So you also determine if you have psionics. That is correct. The same role as rifts, a 25% chance. Yep. Mm -hmm. And you can technically pick a psionic as a class, but you can also just be like, what are you? I'm a mechanic that happens to have psychic powers for some reason. That was another thing that drove me nuts was, was when you read the psionic class, it was like... Like, hey, only twenty five percent of people can be this, and if you are this and you're like a minor psychic, then these are the psychic powers you would have. And I was like, Wait, you have to roll on that random table and then use that as your chance to go be this this class? I, I would have figured it worked the other way. If you choose that class, you're a trained psychic and it's assumed that you rolled successfully on the random table. Yeah. But it's not. It's it's a prerequisite to entry. It's it's very weird. It's I mean, it's old school. Uh but I it, mean it's it's the same as saying, like, oh, we have uh the stat requirements which a few do yeah and i'm like well you're making me roll 3d6 down the line so Mm. the chances of me getting into anything that has like two stat requirements are not great. I think my favorite stat requirement that I found in this book is the he- the heavy machine gun that requires a physical strength of 19 to operate. Lol. Which is like, oh, so what you're saying is that less than 1% of the world can use this machine gun. Why are you building it? Well, because what you'll do is you'll put it on a tripod. Uh, it, there's no tripod for it. It's supposed to be for your big muscly bruiser type dudes. It's supposed to be for the Vin- the uh, the Jesse Venturas that survived the apocalypse. Well, I assume um, he will. I'm also going to throw this out there. There's Way more ways to increase your physical strength than there that's is true. anything else. Yeah, they're, they're, all, they're all taking their bodybuilding and boxing skills and so on because the things that survive the apocalypse obviously are going to be you know bodybuilding and boxing schools. Yeah, it's obviously yeah. Mm-hmm. what happened is in the nine years since then I've I've definitely honed my gymnastic skills. Yeah, that's one of the things. You see, I spent the entire nine years in that crazy village from the Gymkata movie, so that that explains why I'm so good at pommel horse stuff. Given the fact that the Olympics stopped. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, then just sort of basic stuff that you'll get. You determine your alignment, uh, what class you're going to play, all that. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and your background determines some skills, but you can also get... I forget, does this book have straight-up education levels, or is it all done through OCCs? Everything is, you get your background from what you were pre-apocalypse, and then you get your stuff post-apocalyptic from your uh, class yeah, and this book does use the OCC nomenclature indeed. Occupational character class. Now, after these super basics of of your background and your uh, you know region of origin, that kind of thing, it gets into some short story material of which there is a very great deal. There is a decent amount, I mean the book starts with some short story stuff. Yeah, it opens on a vignette set in a 1999 chat room. Indeed, uh, some some good old fashioned people talking to each other over some kind of like IRC channel. Some good old some, fashioned some... AOL, a- ASL. Yeah, I mean ASL is literally one of the things they say, uh, which is pretty neat. I, I, it's one of those chat rooms you only ever see in fiction, though, where where they're not none of them are really talking about anything. Like, what chat room are you guys in? Oh, general. Well, and it's. A chat room where everyone basically knows each other, which is weird. Yeah, it's cheers dot IRC. Yeah, everyone's like, Hey, it's it's whoever the fuck. Well, oh, glad what, you're here again. What's up, Rooster? It it really it reads more like a transcript of like a shortwave radio conversation rather than yes, an actual really chat does. room. Yeah. Like a bunch of people being like, Hey Rooster, how's that sciatica? Especially because everyone is like, Oh, I'm in New Zealand. I'm in England, I'm in California, and you're like, Okay, why are you all in the same chat? What do you have in common that you're talking about? Uh, It's feet. Oh, we like feet. <laughs> We're all here to talk about feet. It's 1999, and most of the really good Quentin Tarantino feet has already come to pass. <laughs> the good tarantino feet mm-hmm. it's all downhill from here <laughs> i mean i assume in our universe there won't be any of the later period quentin tarantino films indeed mm-hmm. quentin tarantino very clearly turned into a zombie by bugs yeah and that particular silkworm now has a foot obsession that that silkworm is like ooh let me see them feet yeah dangle them feet for me baby yeah i like two human feet and not my standard insect four yeah two feet that's weird two legs good <laughs> four legs better <laughs> so uh yeah so it opens on that one which of course you know they oh it, it's the countdown in new zealand oh power goes out in new zealand and they can't find that guy and then and then someone pops in and is like oh, everything in new zealand is down yeah i just confirmed it oh that guy's right i also confirmed it and then it ends on a a weird, scary note that makes no sense. It's the bugs, except that it mentions that the bugs don't go online or anything like that. They just use it as a transformation, or, or, as a way well, to get do. around. They possess systems. They do, but they don't. They don't talk on there. They don't talk to each other. And it, it pops up. and They're all like, "Ah, wh- where are we? Ah, swarm leader has has determined that we don't need to be here. Everyone, everyone, move out." And then they all like leave the room. And it's was like, "They don't do that." That's. That, I mean, oh no! It actually says in the book that one of the big things they do is stop communications Hmm. so they would go through on the internet and like phone lines and stuff and stop people from being able to communicate and say what was going on i mean yeah but they don't do it by typing they don't they don't pop in and be like uh tippity tap uh yeah definitely no one in here talk please we're not bugs okay signing off they just turn off that chat room it was it was weird that the guy was like i need to march into this chat room and i need to bring 10 bug soldiers with me (laughs) It was a weird ending, and you're not going to convince me it wasn't. I, okay, that's fine. Yeah, all right. It's just a weird ending. That's yeah. all That's all there was to it. That's fine. I mean, sure, it was well written for the short story. to be like, Swarm Leader has exited the chat room, and then all these dudes with sequential names have also exited the chat room. Yeah. Yeah. All right? There's a lot of bugs. There's a lot of bugs. And they all march in groups into chat rooms, and they're like, ASL? And, and then if someone's like, I'm a human, they're like, ooh, good. Yeah. Human. Yeah. You want to slide into my DMs? You want to slide into my silkworms? <laughs> slide into my DMs is a slang that will never develop on this world. <laughs> this world will never know DMs. Yeah, we have to use whatever the 1999 equivalent IMs. is. I.M.s. I.M.s. want to slide into my I.M.s? <laughs> Do you have an AOL chat name? Oh, no, he's got a little message indicating he's away. Oh damn. <laughs> it's a little driving car. I like, we first started doing the, like, country voice for people that were obviously like I've been living out in the woods and now it's also the bugs. It's also, the well, bugs are also like I'm a hard scrabble well, ant. Given that the world basically is nothing but like Wyoming survivalist people who talk like that, I assume the bugs would would learn that and talk like that if they had to nah you don't think you think they talk like effete new yorkers or something oh obviously yeah. that's what bugs talk like <laughs> oh i'm dancing like the golem here oh jeez <laughs> i need to get some power yeah that's what they they all talk like woody allen because they took over new york first yeah <laughs> <laughs> no they they took over new zealand first so they're all just taika Waititi. <laughs> well some of them are taika Waititi's, and some of them are like maori dudes <laughs> There's a very clear delineation between the accents. It's it's true. Yeah. <laughs> like you got your uh, taikas and your temueras. And there you go. Yeah. There's two kinds of people in New Zealand, John. There's two kinds of people. <laughs> oh, three kinds of people. There's also Murrays. Ah, uh, Murray. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh yeah. The I guess we should actually explain what the bugs are as well. Transdimensional, 6 six-foot-tall murder bugs from another dimension that are transdimensional. dimensional uh, <laughs> well, How about you say dimension a few more The times? dimension that they're from is not ours. I have to stress that. They're from a different dimension than this one. So the bugs themselves are a bunch of different types, mm-hmm. and they are essentially like locusts, but they are addicted to energy. Might as well face it. They're addicted to energy? Mm-hmm. And then they all dance around robotically with guitars. And when you're a kid, you think it's sexy, and then you're watching your adult, you're like, ew. Yeah. Someone had a weird fetish. Someone's got a weird robo and fetish. And that weird person is Robert Palmer. And it turns out <laughs> Robert Robert Palmer is a bud. And now you know the rest of the story. So they go from dimension to dimension, essentially sucking all of the Dicks. Resources Sorry. dry. Yeah, uh-huh. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'll have to pause there. Yep. <laughs> uh, and the book makes a note to say that technically the bugs uh, can get by on photosynthesis. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't actually need all this energy that they go to consume in order to survive. They're just addicts. Yeah. Like, yeah. it makes them feel good and euphoric and whatnot, so... A bunch of crackheads go from dimension to dimension, destroying whatever planet they're on, and then hopping to a new one. Yeah, basically the bugs being on Earth is the same thing as a bridal party being at a cheesecake factory. <laughs> it's uh, it, They don't need to be here, and it all just looks so sinful. <laughs> uh, so that's why they took over the main population centers first, is because that's where the most energy is. Yeah, yeah, Uh, And also they wanted all the nuclear power plants And what have you So they've taken those over as well Even though they're not usually in major civilization centers So you'll find lots of outposts for bugs Where there are people Mm -hmm. And you'll find lots of outposts Where there are energy stations The types of bugs There's a basic bug uh, called an army ant The army ant is your grunt soldier Mm -hmm. He's got uh, a back blaster He can shoot some energy out Let's be clear first of all All the bugs, except for the silkworms, which are little go up your nose and take you over bugs, are roughly the same size. They're, they're all, they started about six feet tall. Yeah. Uh, and they stand on their back two tel- uh, legs and have four legs up top. I do like the look of the bugs in this. I think they're cool-looking designs. They look like leftover crap from a Rift's book that never got written. But on the other hand, I do agree that they look good. I'm just saying that it really feels like they were from Rift's Bugland or something and just didn't end up being used. Well, Rift's already has the Zytikix. They don't need more bugs. Yeah, I assume these things were Zytikix. that just didn't get used as such. Uh. But any, uh, I mean, that's me being uh, catty for no reason. Uh, They are just, they they are very well drawn. I like the art of them. I like the concept of them. Yeah. Uh, Now, let's note that one, even one army ant is more or less a match for a whole bunch of well-trained humans. Like, the lowest natural AR, I think, on here is like 11 for the Mm -hmm. army ant. Yeah. And so that means when you're going to hit them, you have to roll at least a 12 or better, or you do nothing. Exactly. And they've got a pretty good good chunk of sdc yeah their blaster does a good amount of damage it does 5d6 or if they want to spend two attacks it does 1d6 times 10 yeah uh plus some more per level uh or or uh yeah i don't remember if they go up in level but it is they, they do a very reasonable amount of damage with their blasters enough to pretty much shred you uh they're they're very dangerous yeah and i mean they've got high Strength attributes, they can do good, like, 3d6 plus 10 on a punch. I think even army ants start with four attacks per round, per melee round, or or more. Basically, all of the bugs are at four or five. Yeah, they're all very, very dangerous. They're easily a match for a full party. Even one bug is usually a match, uh, uh, like a boss fight. One bug. Yeah. Which is a problem, because their number appearing is always, like, 10 to 100. Well, I mean... If you're going to be fighting a lot of them, then you're probably not going to be like, what is it? It's our party. There's three of us. Yeah. So most fights are either like, we found a way to get just one bug to fight, or we brought an army. Yeah. And we're going to fight one bug, and the army fight's going to happen in the background. Now, again, I'm going to go ahead and praise this book for doing something that most Palladium books don't do, Mm -hmm. which is, it very explicitly says, all of the bugs that we are going to give you are pretty much exactly the same as the template. You don't have to roll up their stats. They don't have... Weird variations between them was like, oh, this one does 3D6 plus 10. This one does 3D6 plus 4. That's true. Because you you had to roll random stats. There's no calculations. They just do the the damage as printed. They have the same SDC and the same hit points. And it's a mystery as to why, but the book speculates that it might be because most bugs are just clones of each other. Like, they they just reproduce asexually, and they're all pretty much the same thing. It's just, what happens? Uh, Here's a bug. It's the same as every other bug. Yeah. There's not a whole lot of, you know change in them but it does say they aren't a hive mind but they are very similar to the point where they're like we don't need to provide you with ways to roll up a bug and the optional sidebar of if you'd like to play as the bugs which we do not recommend and please don't do it Mm -hmm. but here are the rules for it yes the fact that that isn't in this book is like oh that's very telling that this was made by just one person that wasn't Kevin Zabita. That's definitely true. So the basically the the bugs all pretty much have the same goals and plans, and they are identical, but they do not have a hive mind. So it's easy to think of them as like say a line of gu- of pe- of women playing guitars, and they all have like weird white face paint on, but they are and they're all swaying in they're time. They're all swaying at the same time, but, but they are individuals. Yeah. So so some of them are swaying in a weirdly off way, like they're just a model that's working for a day rate or something. Uh, so that's an easy way to think of it. An easy. Mm-hmm known a way to think of it. a lot of people think about it that way when they talk about this book in particular especially if they've recently been watching vh1's sexy videos special (laughs) so uh there are a few abilities that every bug has Mm -hmm. so one is they can turn into pure energy and travel along power shit you can't fight the dredge john they're pure energy (laughs) What? It's a quote from Titan A.E. about oh. about about five people just laughed. Don't worry about good. it. Yeah, good. Yeah, I'm glad those five people were mm-hmm. amused. And then I remembered afterwards that I was like, oh yeah, that movie. There's exists. a brief. There's a brief chance that one of those five people is rich and is about to increase their Patreon giving. That's ah. that's so so. It was worth it. Don't don't worry about that. It was worth. Oh, it. Oh yeah, only rich yeah. people like Titan A.E. Uh huh. That's true. Well, no, very very rarely. But this is like going after a mount drop and wow or something. <laughs> good. <laughs> so yeah, they can all. Turn into energy and go into power lines. Yes. They can travel essentially at the speed of light along that line. Mm -hmm. Uh, If they don't have a leader for, like, the army ants, they'll probably just go, like, one point to another on the line without doing, like, oh, I'm going to go from, like, New York to you know, London or whatever mm-hmm. through power lines or some shit. Yeah. Because it would be more complex. Yeah, it would be very complex. I, I, don't, I don't know if those underwater transatlantic cables still exist in this In this horrible post-apocalypse. I don't know. I assume so. If they don't, then I assume the ghost of Isambard Kingdom Brunei is rolling over in his grave. <laughs> Indeed. Mm-hmm. So the, uh, they all have that power. Now, when they turn into energy, they are briefly invulnerable unless you hit them with an explosion. Mm-hmm. But they can only maintain being in an energy form for, like, a couple seconds before they have to either revert back to being, uh, like, their normal bug form or go into a power line. Right. And only one of all the bugs that we're going to tell you about has the ability to main do anything while in energy format. Yeah. Uh, most of them can just use... It's just a transport method for them or an escape tool. Uh, but they, they do have the option of suicide blasting themselves at someone, which is weird. It's weird and really bad game design. I'm, I, this is one of the places where I'll, I'll, I'll come down on the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, this The this, this suicide attack where a bug can choose to race towards a target and explode for a huge amount of damage in an area is really bad for an energy NPC or a monster to have in a game because there's literally no reason for them not to do it if they're losing. Well, the the weird thing for me is I look at it and I go, these creatures are explicitly said to be individuals that care about their own like well-being. Mm-hmm. And yet they're going to be able to be like, oh, I'm being shot and I'm at like two hit points. And it doesn't say I can't do this unless I'm at full or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I'm about to die next round. Man, eh, fuck it. I'm just going to do like 46 times 10 damage to this dude. Yeah. Or, and everybody who's standing near that dude, it's, it's, uh, it's the kind of thing that shouldn't show up in a game because the DM can use it to basically punish the players. Uh, be like, oh, you didn't kill him before the end of his his uh, or before the start of his next turn. He hits you for unavoidably huge amounts of damage yeah it doesn't even have a like attack to it. It's just oh, he throws himself at you and you get hit yeah it's uh it's not good design. It shouldn't be in there. The bug should just fizzle out and die when you kill them because that gives you a sense of satisfaction. The fact that every bug you ever fight is basically a bomb that you have to kill it before it gets another turn yeah. is not not smart no, it's God, I hate this, yeah. So uh, I feel bad cuz you you you've been so chummy about this game overall. Well no, I mean and the thing is it has a note afterwards where it's like they do have a sense of self-preservation and will not do this suicide attack unless they feel there is no other option to do so or they're provoked. Yes, or prov- or, or they're provoked. Oh no. That they don't care if they die as long as they take their enemy with them. Now, as a GM of this, I would basically never use it unless someone was like I'm going to taunt this fucking dying bug or whatever. Be like, all right, well, fuck you. This bug explodes at you. Yeah, the problem Being is an, an asshole. They'll, they'll also do it if they're, if they're about to be taken prisoner is one of the things because it's, it's mentioned that, that humans trying to get live samples of the bugs so they can study them is virtually impossible because they'll blow themselves up. It's, it's not in the section under their abilities. It's, yeah. it's in the section at the back about, about uh, NORAD. NORAD, exactly. Yeah. So these things blow up if you if you even capture them. So if you're like at the point where it's like, he's almost defeated. Well, we have two options. We can either kill him before he gets another turn or we can let him get away because anything else results in him exploding one of us. Yeah. The uh, the bugs also all have uh, a little limited psychic power. They can all talk to each other psychically. Yeah, they have telepathic uh, web between them, which thankfully requires no rolling or anything. They just can do it. Yeah. And it means if you you are a psychic with telepathy. You can try and read the communication that's going on, but they're weird alien bugs, so you only have like a twenty percent chance of actually figuring out what the fuck they're doing. Yeah. Now, one of the short stories had something that was interesting to me, which was uh, basically like a meeting with like the president or something, and someone gets grabbed by a bug, and then he does that that Independence Day Brent Spiner th- thing, where he makes the, where where this giant bug that's picked up someone is like making him talk. And no, it's like, just the bug talks. Oh, this just the bug talking. I thought he, I thought he was holding a dude, and then he dropped him when he was done with it. Oh no, he uh, was holding a dude while he was saying, "We are going to do this," and then he kills the guy and then oh, goes after the other. See, guy. Um, when I read that he was holding the dude, my first thought was, "Oh, he's doing Independence Day." He's because ma- he doesn't have mouth parts to talk, so he's just he's telepathically making this guy say shit. No, it's there's a thing in the book where it's like the bugs, unless you're like a bug zombie or whatever. Most of them don't give a shit and won't learn the language. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only ones that will are the silkworm ones because they'll possess a person. And the lightning bugs. Because the assassin they're... bug. Yeah. Because they... they imitate. Yeah. They do the predator thing. And where then they're the... like, oh, they, I can like mimic back things that I've heard. And then the lightning bugs because they're the ones in charge. So giving them the ability to speak every language is just... Oh, they're the officer class. Of course they speak seven languages. They're educated in matters mineral. But even then, it's like, what do they do? Well, they speak it at like a 20%. Mm-hmm. So that's, most of the time, they don't really grok the language as well. That, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, uh, all the bugs are telepathic. That, that's, and, and here's another thing about the bugs. Uh their life cycle no one's ever seen one being born or anything, but one thing that is known is that uh every couple of years a bug if it if it's doing well will go into a cocoon and emerge as a next tier of bug yeah, the only- tier one is the uh the army ants and then we get into tier two, which army ants turn into yes there's only three tiers uh and, and tiers one and three only have one bug in them yeah I mean the book says there might be other tier threes shit there might be a tier four we don't know about like there could be a queen or whatever mm-hmm. but these are the ones that the book has. I was, oh yeah, I, I meant to say that there's, there's only those things in this book. Uh, tier ones are army ants. Tier twos are combat type bugs of a variety of things. Uh, they include the. Uh, help me out here, John. There's, there's the assassin the bug. assassin bug, yeah. which is uh, one of the bugs that normally uh, the bugs when they go do something will be in groups. The assassin bug is one of the few that's like, no, I'm just gonna go by myself maybe take a couple of army ants. Mm -hmm. They uh, are one of the few that can actually, like I was saying, do the language. They can imitate voices. Mm -hmm. They can camouflage themselves. Yeah, they have big blades. Uh, Their their ability to shoot energy is, they can shoot from each hand instead of shooting from a hole in their back because that way they're a little bit more acrobatic about it. They are, generally speaking, kind of the murderer bugs. And they're the ones that are going to set up ambushes for people. So they'll be like... What do you do? Oh, we, uh, they go on a radio and they call for help. They say, like, oh, we're survivors and we need whatever, and they'll try to, like, trap people and get uh humans to show up so they can capture them. Yeah, and then the book's kind of comical in its description of how they're not very good at it because they don't have a full understanding of the the language. Yeah, they're like, they speak it at, like, 40%, Mm -hmm. so if you talk to an assassin bug, like the whole radio thing, they might say, help, uh we're not sure where the bugs are, please come get us out of our bunker. Mm-hmm. But if you keep talking to them on the radio, eventually they'll just say some weird shit. Or they'll repeat themselves. They'll, you'll be like, you'll be like oh, I'm sorry, where is your bunker? Oh, welcome to Corneria. <laughs> I like swords. Welcome to Corneria. I like swords. <laughs> that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, or they'll say something weird and bug-like if, if you press them for information. Yes. Yeah, so- Unfortunately... In game terms, that means that every time you talk to any new NPC. Well, anytime you talk to someone that you can't see. Yeah. Anytime that the, you're like, please stay on the line for 10 minutes. Yeah. Let's go ahead and have a fun conversation about football. You remember American football, right? What color was everybody? And when they, they go, ah, thank you, fellow human. Everybody was green. You're like, ah, you're like, oh, he's a bug. Okay, thanks. It's a good job that they put this in here, so we have to have a long conversation with every unseen NPC, isn't it? Yeah. This is fun. I mean, the nice thing is they at least gave an out for the GM, which mm-hmm. is, okay, if you talk to them for X amount of minutes, there is a uh, like 20% chance that you'll catch them. So instead of that, you just go, look, I know you're going to try and talk to this person for 20 minutes. Please just roll percentile dice and let's move on. I guess that's fair, yeah. Let me ask you a question only a human would know the answer to. Yes, fellow human, please ask. Hmm. Uh what's the better park between Disneyland and Knott's Berry Farm? I like Berry Farms. Yeah, that's a bug. Yes, <laughs> that is where human food can be found in a farm. That, that is correct. Oh, he's oh shit, he's right. Ooh, Shoot. shit. And you can't get food at Disneyland. That's true. That is true. That's the one weakness of Disneyland was that they had no human food. that's the legend. Anyway, legend tells of a legend says, because in this setting, California is basically fully bugged. Yeah. Except for the very northern tip of California, because that place is just about hippie cowboy enough for, uh, for Symbeta or sorry, coffin sensibilities. Well, it's what's there. Oh, it's the one place in California that isn't full urban sprawl. So here you go. Yeah. So, uh, aside from assassin bugs, there are bombardier bugs. Yep. The bombardier beetles are basically the tanks. Mm -hmm. They have a ridiculous AR. It's like 17. Yeah, so you can't hit them for shit. You try to shoot them, and you're like, nope, that sucked. Yeah. And they've got ridiculous amounts of uh, uh, STC. Yeah. And they're stronger. They do more damage. They're mean. They tend to just bulldoze their way through problems. Uh notably their energy ability, because the other the Army Ants had a cannon on their back and the assassin bugs have hand blasters. Uh, these guys instead can create energy bombs by just holding out their hand and doing it. Like yeah. they, they basically create those blue energy ball water balloon things the Gungans had in, in episode one. Yeah, they just make little energy balls and yeah. They can then they play improv. To, they can give it practice. to other bugs, yeah. and then the other bugs will have to say something and then give it to another bug. Exactly. It's improv practice. They yeah. can create improv practice. Uh huh. Uh-huh. That's one of their powers, yeah. improv practice. They can, use, they can make these energy bombs and then play that I went to market and I brought an apple and a basket and a, and a coffin situation. And now the energy ball is yours, Army oh, Ant. Shoot, I went to market and I brought an apple and a basket and a coffin and a duck. Here you <laughs> go. <laughs> But it says they don't like to give their balls to anyone else. They like to keep their balls to themselves. Yes, they like to keep their balls in their hands, swirling them around until such time as they are needed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, if anything else touches these energy balls, it just explodes for damage. Yeah, if anything touches... touches, For example, if, if anyone watches Like, let's say a human were to come up and touch this bug's balls. Mm -hmm. They would just explode. Explode immediately in a shower. They would just blow Mm -hmm. immediately everywhere. Right away. Right away. Which is... The slightest touch. Now, now, they're not quite as sensitive when it comes to the other bugs, because they're more used to them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, other bugs can handle those balls, Mm -hmm. and they're not just going to blow. Now, also, you can put those balls on the ground, and it's not like dragging your balls on the ground is going to make them explode they really need to be handled yeah and and handled with with uh incorrect intent yeah yeah so there you go that's the story of the bombardier bugs and their balls (sighs) you feeling good you feel like we have a whole new show Yeah, yeah i feel like a good wholesome show 2019 baby so the other one is the killer bee. killer bee. Oh, no, wait, there is one more after the killer yeah, bee. Yeah, there is. There's the There's stink, stink bug. bug. Yeah. So, Killer Bee is the asshole bug. Yeah. It's the only one that flies, mm-hmm. and it is the most malicious and evil of the bugs. Like, it will kill for fun. Mm-hmm. The other bugs are just here for energy, and they don't give a shit. Yeah. The Killer Bee is like, oh, no, I want to hunt motherfuckers. The Killer Bee is far and away the most dangerous of the bugs. I mean, sure, the bombardier beetle is slow and, and tough, and you can't kill it for, for shit. The Killer Bee can fly, which in this universe... That's very unique cuz airplanes all required pretty heavily on ele- or relied pretty heavily on electricity and fuel. Oh yeah, that was the other thing. Yeah. I forgot to mention. The energy blast that uh the bugs produce shuts down electronics when they yeah. hit. So if an energy blast hit a jet, not only would it do the damage that the energy blast did, but it would just shut down electrical systems in it. Yeah. So there's a chance you'd be like, "I'm flying." No, I'm not. Shit. Now, this book thankfully doesn't do what Riffs does and be like, that's why the uh, Ar- Wyoming Army flies several hundred P 51 Mustangs. <laughs> uh, Riffs tried to pull that shit and still does, of course, because nothing ever changes over there, even though there's something like 13 to 45 flyable P 51s in the world right now. Yeah, but, you know, as soon as the apocalypse happened, people were like, you know what, I need to start making. P-51s. P-51s. Yeah, that's easy. It's real easy to make those. It didn't require a huge easy. amount of factory space and time and training to manufacture Allison engines. No, no. Or Pratt & Whitney. D- don't, don't shoot at me if I got that wrong. I'm pretty sure it's Pratt & Whitney and a P-51 and Allison and a P-38. Hi, everybody. How are you? I'm Jeff. Hey, it's Jeff, and he's... He's worried that anyone gives a shit about planes, and they don't. Uh, They do. There's at least one Twitter fan. There's at least one person that gives a shit about planes, and it's your dad. Uh, Well, my dad doesn't listen to the show. I'm worried about Erica. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not worried about Erica. Erica's doing fine. (laughs) Yes, she's all right. Okay, so uh, anyhow, yeah, these bugs can shut down electricity, and these killer bees can fly, which makes them basically unfair to have to fight. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're probably fighting them with guns, so the Mm -hmm. fact that they fly isn't too bad since you're just gonna be shooting anyway yeah but they get a whole bunch of bonuses in flight and there's no reason for them not to be yeah so it's just all the time they're like six attacks and they get multiple blasts and crazy nonsense and extra damage and they dodge well they're just huge dangerous assholes and they are the ones that want to murder you rather than just capture you like if a bombardier beetle catches the squad there's a chance they'll just bring you back to a settlement and be like, oh, we'll keep you here until we turn you into zombies. Yeah. Whereas the killer bee will murder you. Yeah, because they're just dicks. Uh, so the last one I- of the tier twos is the stink bug. Uh, the stink bug has two functions. Uh, one of them is that it can uh, create its energy blast is to create stink. It can create like miasmic clouds that can kind of yeah. So mess instead with of people. shooting energy, it just farts out a cloud that does one of three things. Yeah. The other thing, probably the more important thing that a stink bug does, is that it lays the the eggs containing silkworms and silkworms are the bugs that go up between in your nose and and live in your brain and turn you into a bug zombie. Yeah, they are the those Star Trek bugs mm-hmm. that turn you into a zombie. Yeah, so they go up your nose instead of in your ear. Oh, they, they can do either. Oh, can they? The book says it'll go in the ear or the nose, yeah. and I was like, ooh. Ooh, what else will it go up? Ooh. Hey there. Hey now. No, talk, tell me about your ovipositor selection. Ha! <laughs> Uh, okay. But it does mention is that one of the easiest ways to spot bug zombies is that they have a bruised nose from where the bug went up. Yeah. So uh, I I don't know if you're also supposed to look to see if they have cauliflower ear. I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, that. That was one of the things when in the book, it said they could go in the ear or the nose. I went, but you've spent all this time telling me that they have bruised noses. And yet now you're telling me they can go in the ear. So like, if I meet someone, I go, show me your nose. And if they're fine, they're like, okay, come with me. And then I didn't look at their ear and I get fucked up. It's just a great way for the, for the again, for this fictional GM I've been describing the entire time. This asshole GM. Just, this, just to keep being a total asshole. Fuck you, GM that doesn't exist. Fuck you, straw man GM. I made up. I, he sure is an asshole, isn't he, John? This product of my imagination. Indeed. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, that's pretty much what all, the only things that stink bugs do. Otherwise, they're kind of the weakest of the tier twos. Now... The other thing to mention before we get into the last tier three, which is just the one bug, is the silkworms themselves, the brain bugs, they're just some kind of brain bugs, aren't they? Yeah. They're afraid. They're afraid! (laughs) I'd like to know more. I'm doing my part. (laughs) Man, that's a good movie. That's a good fucking movie. So, I just read a review of that movie the other day that was saying it was not a good movie. And that also that the book it's based on was bad. It was just a, a, like a, an Ouroboros of bad. And I was like, no, all right. Heinlein's an acquired taste. There's no getting around that. But that movie is unimpeachable. Oh, And you yeah. can step. You can go take a running <laughs> jump. Yeah. So the brain bugs, when they take you over, will mostly get rid of any, like, personality you had. Mm-hmm. So while they do gain your skills and, like, A 70% grasp of whatever your language is, you can identify them not just by the bruising, but also they'll tend to have, like, no sense of humor, they're a little more monotone. Yeah, basically, like, if you haven't been gotten by a bug yet, you are Keanu Reeves in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Uh, If you have been gotten by a bug, you're Keanu Reeves in any other Keanu Reeves movie. (laughs) Yeah. If you've been gotten by a bug, you're definitely Keanu Reeves in I'm gonna say Bram Stoker's Dracula. (laughs) That would be most excellent. Most excellent indeed. Oh my. I have been bitten by a vampire. I've always you know the thing about Keanu Reeves is he's actually a fucking good actor, right? Yeah. Was that on purpose? Like, was that direction that made him act like a weird surfer with gray hair in that movie? What happened was so weird. Yeah. Keanu Reeves in Dracula was like what are you doing here the i i watched i rewatched bram stoker's dracula recently and it, it for all intents and purposes it strikes me as a, a high school play with a 90 million dollar budget yes and i'm like how did that ha- it, it's rad but that's really what it feels like but it the is. only reason it's rad is because gary oldman and anthony hopkins are running around in there while a surfer keanu reeves is like hello I'm here to see your castle. No, I love Counts it, Dracula. Because like the old people are all eating as much scenery as they can get and fit in their mouth, but all three of the younger women, uh, people in the movie, are acting like dumb surfer stoners. And I'm like, there's no way that's not on purpose. Oh yeah, like there's no point where they're like, okay, well we've got. I can't stop Keanu Reeves from talking like that. I can't stop Keanu Reeves. He is a juggernaut. And Winona Ryder, you don't pick her for her acting ability. You pick her for her hilarious look. And then Sadie Frost, who would easily be replaced, is also doing the same shit. It's got to be Artifice. Yeah. It's got to be. Anyway, it, I'm sorry. It is a directorial choice, it, it, and I love it. It is. And this episode's already an hour long, and we haven't even started in the OCCs yet, so I'm going to stop doing this, this uh, digression. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, the bugs will make you uh, lose your personality, mm-hmm. and so that's how you can tell the zombies. Yeah. And they're also how they cr- uh, keep the infrastructure up. So, like, zombie humans are the ones running the power stations and making sure that, like, Coal is burned for energy and shit like that. Yes, yeah. And they need a lot of zombies, and, and they have a lot of zombies. Although, they don't take over people as fast as you might think. It feels like this book kind of gives you the idea that, that the bugs launched with a huge army and took over half the population of the world immediately. They didn't, and they can't. Their, their production rate for silkworms is not that high. An individual uh, stink bug can make one a month or something like that. Oh, they get, like, a brood of them. So it's, yeah. you know, like a dozen. But even then, it's still... That's not that many. No, it takes a while for them to convert people. At, over the nine years, I mean, they've gotten several million yeah. zombies. I mean, they mentioned that there's something like 100,000 or so stink bugs on, in North America. And if you think about that, that means that it would take them a full year just to take over Los Angeles. Yeah. So it, they are they are not going as fast as you might think. No, I mean they say there's like three million in Chicago. Oh, oh zombies! And that's the highest concentration they have. Yeah, that's that's got to be a, a coffin and cibita thing where they're like, yeah, of course there's a million of them in Chicago. The windy city's the center of the United States. I'm like, eh, like that. Or they're like, ah, oh, those Chicago whites, zombies. The lot of them. <laughs> that could be that too. <laughs> Always going to improv classes near a Cubs Stadium or whatever. Wait, eh. Cubs? That doesn't sound right. Chicago Cubs? It is, yeah, okay, wait, it is right. Yay! Yeah. Oh, that feels better. Oh, good. Oh, you're not a bug. I was just doubting myself for no reason. I just thought I might be a bug. <laughs> Let me ask you a question only a, only a human would know the answer to, John. Can you name the six boroughs of New York? Of course. Uh, Boston. <laughs> okay, this guy's legit. <laughs> this guy <laughs> knows his deals. <laughs> uh, And the tier three is the lightning bug, the only one that can go into energy form and sort of Stay there for multiple rounds. Kind of feels like bullshit. Like, it's like, what's this thing's big ability? It can go into a form where it can't take any damage and shoot you and punch you. Well, you can... not like the d- shit my 10-year-old brother, wouldn't in- when he was 10, would invent. You can damage it. Yeah. It just takes uh, hitting it with explosions mm-hmm. or energy weapons, which NORAD has. Yeah. So, but they are the, like, big boss bugs. Yeah. These are the ones that, like, if you manage to kill a lightning bug, you did actual noticeable damage to this because the lightning bugs are also the only way that the bugs can invade a new dimension. Mm-hmm. They are the ones who open up a dimensional rift in order to go somewhere else. Yes. So that's the lightning bugs big thing. Is not only are they smarter and can turn into an energy form, but they're the only way the bugs have of getting off planet. And they can mentally command hundreds of bugs. They're basically the boss bug. Yeah. Like just imagine the the other bugs we've described but with way more powers. And way more attacks per melee round and an SDC and everything. They're just dangerous. Yeah. Now, the OCCs of this game. We really need to get to them and get through them. So, most of them we don't really need to get into because... They suck. Well, they're very, you're a basic human with something. Mm-hmm. So, you'll have something like, oh, what are you? I'm the uh, the guy who's like a trader. Mm-hmm. And I've got a truck full of stuff that I go and I trade. And my one special power outside of my skills that I have is I can find the true value of something. So I can like look at a junk heap and know, oh, that's got a like a bit that actually works and I could use it for something or yeah. look at a truck that currently works and know, oh, that's going to break down in a week. And they have a social power is kind of, it's just, you know, written description. Uh, people tend to allow them to get into, into places cause they want to trade with them. I mean, it's the same thing with the, the doctor and, is, yeah. What is this? Uh, They basically have combat immunity that people don't want to murder them. Even the bugs don't want to murder them because they still need doctors to keep their human slaves alive. Yes, because the human slaves aren't immune to disease or anything. They still get colds and flus and shit. Yeah, so they're like, we really want to have doctors on both sides. Mm -hmm. So when you get into a fight, if a doctor is there, they're like, oh, your special power is... People are trying to not hit you, and and you can piece out of a fight. You could just be like, I I don't pull a gun or anything, and I just stand on the side. Yeah, of I'm just like, no, I'm yeah. good. And the other thing that the trader shares an ability with is the ability to look at a pile of junk and find something useful. Is the power the mechanic class has, or the gearhead in the game's parlance? Yeah. Keep in mind that all of these have charmingly. Well, yeah, there's the scientist, which is just called the egghead. Yeah, the the. The doctor is called the Sawbones. The trader is is I believe called the Free Trader. The Freebooter, Freebooter, yeah, yeah. Uh, so all of the, and also they all described that way where they're like, oh yeah, gosh and darn chucks, I ain't never liked nothing more than no Chevy picture pickup from nineteen forty five, that kind of thing. <laughs> the uh, they all talk like Wilfred Brimley. The Egghead is split into two. You're either a scientist Egghead mm-hmm. and probably working for NORAD, yeah. Uh, or you are a, like, hacker egghead. And this book has a very weird subplot. There are a lot of little uh strings that you could go. Again, a thing I like about this is it gives you, like, a half dozen different scenarios for what you could be running in this game. Yeah. But one of them is there is a group from Silicon Valley that managed to escape, and they are writing a... Basically a program that would stop the bugs from being able to control, like, the internet Mm -hmm. so they could take communications back. That's so nice. That's such a 1990s view of of what Silicon Valley is. I know. Imagine if if modern-day Silicon Valley escaped a bug attack. They'd be holed up in a bunker somewhere trying to get millions of dollars for claiming they invented the bus. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, this is back when they were like, Silicon Valley is the home of all the, the best tech things. Of course... It's like 1999, so it's also called the Killer App. Yeah, oh, the Killer... God damn it, I forgot about that. But yeah, if it, modern day interpretation of this zone is like, oh, there's a bunch of heroes from Silicon Valley that are working to save us. They invented an $800 juicer. <laughs> you, it's proprietary. You need bags of juice that they sell you specifically. Yeah! <laughs> it doesn't work. It's terrible. <laughs> so, anyway... Oh, also, everyone who was involved in it is a billionaire. <laughs> Yeah, but at least in this, they're like, oh no, there was just a group of super genius computer guys that Mm -hmm. left, and one of the things in the egghead is you can be someone like that, uh, or there's, you know, the possibility that you're trying to escort these guys to NORAD so that they can implement their weird killer app. I do kind of want that to be the story I play, and I want them to be modern day Silicon Valley dudes, just to see if the players can escort them anywhere without murdering them. Yeah, you're like, (laughs) alright, so you've got... Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg, (laughs) you're all traveling to NORAD. Oh, we've been walking for half an hour, and I haven't eaten a $27 Caesar salad. Every time we get to a town, they keep trying to kill Mark Zuckerberg because they assume he's a zombie. He's not. He just (laughs) seems that way. (laughs) The Jack from Twitter has tried to sell us to the bugs 11 times already. Can't we just kill him? (laughs) Nope. Silicon Valley guys are very important. (laughs) So... Uh, you've got a few combat things. You've got the Exterminator, whose whole deal is they hate bugs and they will murder bugs. Yeah. And uh, their special powers is they can dual wield. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they are, which is weird. Because, uh, here's another th- theme that runs through the OCCs that I found a little uh, bad. A lot of them are like, hey, you could probably give this guy sharpshooting if you wanted to, uh, but you'd ha- only if you happen to own a very specific Rift source if, book. If you have Rift's New West... You could give them these skills. You're like, oh, but if I don't, if I don't, are they they still balanced? If I don't balance, what? I'm sorry, (laughs) Uh, you you just said balance, and we're talking about a Palladium game, (laughs) although. Again in this book's favor, this is the most balanced you're ever going to get for a palladium book because yeah. everyone is just a regular dude outside of the two superpower guys. Yeah, and well, boy Howdy when we get to them. But uh but uh, yeah, I mean this whole thing where it's like, yeah, if you want to give this guy this the quick shooter or trick shooter's abilities from Rifts New West, that would be pretty cool. It's like, yeah, but those aren't super complicated. You could tell me what they are here. No, can't. Yeah. I'm contractually not able to do that because I can't reprint something from another book because Kevin said I couldn't. Yeah, except that that's all Kevin does. Like a third of any given Riff's book is reprints. Yeah. Uh, so you could just be like, oh, trick shooting is a plus two to strike and a plus six on initiative or some shit. Just put that. It takes less page space. Yeah. But instead, we've just got... because uh, you read the... Li- just read the names. I-, I promise I won't talk forever. We're almost done here. Yeah, we got a- the Peacekeeper, which is your, your standard lawman slash vigilante who mm-hmm. gets the special power of... Being able to intimidate people. Yeah, it's basically your Ian McShane. It's a Westworld sheriff. Yeah. Uh, and the only other of the standard humans we haven't really talked about uh, is the survivalist. Although, there's the splatter punk, which is just, what are you? I'm evil. And that means, meh. The splatter punk is basically, yeah, they're, they're just mean dicks. That, that They're basically the bandit. Yeah, it's playing a bandit. You're playing a fucking Mad Max, uh, like... Weird, Mm tire-wearing weirdo. Yeah. Where you're like, oh, what do you do? I roam the wasteland and I try to get guzzling. I have not become addicted to water. But uh, you get survivalist and survivalist is just, what do you do? Oh, I I, I was hold- one of those people that was in a bunker, and you read the description, it's like, you probably don't want to come out of your bunker either. Yeah. Why is this an OCC? I know. It's kind of a neat idea to be like all those people that were like in Northern Oregon, they're like, I live in a bunker because the end of the world's a coming. And then, what if they were right, you know, is yeah. the idea? And they're like, oh, shit. Well, neat. at least at least you spent your time developing usable skills for the apocalypse, right? Nope, I spent my time yelling at people on Reddit. <laughs> nope, I mostly just hated liberals. <laughs> <laughs> eating brain force pills I, pr- I bought from Alex Jones. Thankfully, this is 99. Yeah, so none of that shit's the case, and instead these people are actually competent. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, they don't want to leave their bunkers. Don't forget, John, that there's a hidden regular basic class behind the two NORAD ones. Oh, yeah, there's the one that has, you're just a crazy person that's uh-huh. running around, and they're spe- every OCC has a special ability. Yes, and this is one of my favorite things. Please, go ahead. The special ability of the, the wacko The is... Wacko is they have a lucky item. Wacky luck, the ability is called. And so they've got something that they think is lucky, whether it's a lucky coin or their lucky set of underwear Mm -hmm. or a rabbit's foot or whatever it is. They've got a thing that they consider to be super lucky. They will not go anywhere without it, Mm -hmm. and they'll freak out if they lose it. It does nothing. Mm -hmm. You could just stop talking. That's that's all it does. It doesn't have any kind of positive effect where if they have it they get plus one to strike because they have their lucky item it's just it's just an albatross it might as well be an albatross it honestly doesn't even do anything mechanically if they lose it it just says they'll freak out if they lose it yeah but it doesn't mechanically say anything happens to you they get they get you can see in the formatting of the book if someone gets a special power, it's underlined. So there are three underlined things for the wacko. One of them is they ca- they have to act weird and crazy. The second one is they have a lucky item that doesn't do shit. The third one is they're crazy and you have to go roll on a random insanity table. Yeah, it's they have an obsession with a killing bugs and then something else. Then they have a lucky item that does nothing. Mm-hmm. And then they have an annoying habit that you randomly roll for. Mm-hmm. So it could be like they dislike and distru- distrust technology and and we'll never get near or use it, which includes, like, I'm not going to get in a car with you. This class is so bad. It's like it's like they... Why even put it in here? It's so weird. It was like you went through everything. You finished up with the... We've got the two NORAD classes, which are the psychic, which is just a psychic, mm-hmm. and their powers. They have psychic powers. And that one I really want to talk about, even though, to be perfectly fair, the splicer is way more interesting. Yeah, no, the the psychic is... Have you ever played any like Rifts game with a psychic? That's what it is. If you, ha- shit. if you have, if you've played any non Rifts game with a psychic, but Palladium with a psychic, you know that the psychic list in Palladium games is bullshit. There's nothing good on it, it doesn't do anything cool, it's just bad. And here's this picture of the NORAD psychic, and she's on some Jean Grey Polaris shit. She's, like, floating in the air and shooting radial energy waves. They're, like, blowing up bugs and shit. She can't do that. Well, I mean, technically, there's only one army ant that's, like, going, ah. Yeah. So, I mean, she could just be levitating and then being <laughs> like, also, I glow. It makes her look rad. And 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 the uh, psychic in non-Rifts Palladium games is not rad. No. The, what is rad, is the no-rad splicer. Mm-hmm. So the splicer- No-rad November. Uh, is the- we took bug DNA and spliced it into a human, so you got bug qualities. Yes. So, these guys are part bug. Uh, they can never know the touch of a human again. They must hide in secret and act like Ronan Frankensteins. Yeah, they only live in NORAD, mm-hmm. so if you're playing one, you have to be I guess essentially th- sent out on a squad of them. They, Like they say, if you're playing a splicer, you should probably have everyone in your group playing splicers or maybe a psychic because you're generally you don't get along with humans and this is a project that they haven't really done i'm about to show my ass about my military knowledge here john i always forget where that fucking mountain where norad is uh, colorado up in colorado so that means that these guys are pretty much only useful within a couple hundred miles of colorado which who, who gives a fuck but here they are here they are uh bug people you can either roll or pick Three random bug abilities. Boy, howdy, do you want to pick? You want to pick, because four of the three of them will give you the only thing that fucking matters on that list, plus one attack per melee round. Indeed. Which means you can start these guys off with a healthy seven attacks per melee round, because you have wings and and extra arms, and because you're fast. Well, the the big thing is, you want to get extraordinary physical prowess, Uh huh. because not only does it add 3d4 to your physical prowess, which is the only stat that really matters, because it gives you a bonus to strike, parry, and dodge, Mm -hmm. but... It also gives you an extra attack per round and the ability to have an automatic dodge. That's the best thing you could possibly get. You want winged flight so you can can contribute from the air and be immune to melee attacks. And it gives you an extra attack per melee round. Now, the only one I would consider getting that doesn't give you an extra attack is the tough exoskeleton... Because it gives you an AR of fifteen and plus one hundred SDC. Yeah, that's no, that's no getting. That's seventy five percent of attacks don't hit you now. Yeah, at that point you're just like, eh, I'm gonna give the finger to everyone while mm-hmm. I fly around and beat them up. I love that the fact that you have wings means that you can fire more shots from your machine gun. Also, the only drawback of tough exoskeleton is your physical beauty drops to four. But you can't fucking you meet were a bug anyway. man anyway. It's a secret. Your whole your whole life has to be a secret. The only people you ever hang out with are other bug dudes. Yeah, I just love that they were like. Oh yeah, if I have, like, segmented extra arms, that doesn't affect your beauty, mm-hmm. but if you've got a tough exoskeleton, boy, you're ugly. Yeah, nothing nothing raises your physical beauty, quite like having a giant, gross, partially human meat stinger. Yep, and ooh baby, it's good. But armor, ew. I also enjoy that they're like, ooh, you could never be around humans again because you're so disgusting, but I go, you know, if I just get... Like extraordinary physical prowess and let's say healing factor and the energy extraordinary blast one or something. Physical strength. Yeah. That you don't look at like a point, bug at all. I'm just fast and strong and heal, and I'm like, Oh, that's not any like bug characteristics that it says I have. Yeah. How Kafka esque. How very Kafkask. Kavkasky. Kafkask. I'll try the Kafkaski. That's some kind of Tex-Mex thing, right? <laughs> the Kavkasky? That actually kind of sounds like a Midwestern, like, Swedish delicacy. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah. that's definitely got an umlaut in it. <laughs> De- yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, the only way you could possibly play the Splicers is if you play as a whole party of nothing but. Pretty much. They it- do give you an out and say, ooh, they've sent out occasional single ones out into the wilderness to, like, try and see if they can integrate with people and i go why no they haven't that's stupid like this has a mortality rate of about 70 Mm percent. you're not gonna send one of your super soldiers out to be like hey just go see if the fucking militia will like you you look like a bug (laughs) it's like okay so we have a super top secret program with a couple hundred bug soldiers living in the mountains that are 100% top secret clearance only, but once a month, we just send a guy out and we're like, hey, see if you can make friends with the locals. See if you can sell Girl Scout cookies for Bill's daughter. Yeah, it's very weird. And I know they only put it there because they're like, someone's going to want to play a splicer when everyone else is like, we're part of a Wyoming militia. And you're like, oh, but I wanted to be a splicer. And they're like, fine, you're one of the ones they sent out. Yeah, and everyone thinks you're a weird bug man because you are. Great. And, but but humans will never truly understand you, because you're all bug-like and stuff. Ooh. Okay. All, all right. right. Great. 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 As long as I still get to have multiple limbs and shoot laser beams, that's all I care about. Like, do you think if one of us was part bug, like if I was if I showed, showed up to uh, record tomorrow and we have to do a movie episode... And you had, like, big segmented eyes and wings and what Yeah, and like, like giant shoulder armor plates. Like and sh- mandibles. Yeah, but I was still like, what's up, John? How you doing, buddy? I would I would freak out. A little like, bit? How, how I much? I would freak out a lot would actually. you would you still be able to do the episode i don't know that i would i'm going to say i would have to take a, at least a couple days a couple days but john we got a patreon schedule i would have to be like jeff <laughs> yeah yeah what's up you're you're all bug like uh yeah I, I wouldn't know i haven't looked in a mirror since 1998 have you have you seen a doctor recently <laughs> again no i i, I have a patreon fueled health health plan maybe Like, find a free clinic nearby. (laughs) I don't know that I'm not part bug now, John. (laughs) Who could possibly tell? Yeah, I mean, I spend all day long hanging out with an infant who loves me unconditionally. She's not going to tell me if I'm part bug. Oh, she might. (laughs) Through hugs and and giggles? Yeah, you're part hug now. (laughs) Part hug. If I was part hug, do you think you'd be able to do tomorrow's episode? Oh, definitely. Okay, yeah. Because I'm, if you come in here and I'm like a hug elemental, you're like, yeah, that that tracks. That's fine. Yeah, I, I'm sure that's torture for you, Jeff, because you hate people. Oh yeah, <laughs> you're gonna be sad. And you're uh, like, oh, I keep hugging people. I can't stop hugging. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> I hate physical touch. <laughs> I've turned <The> feel <laughs> of another human is nothing so much as sandpaper grating on my soul. Uh, my life is a hugs, and I've got the voice of George C. Scott. <laughs> <laughs> uh uh okay so a couple of days if if you come in tomorrow yeah. and i've got bug superpowers yeah okay that's fair that seems reasonable yeah i mean, but I mean uh, mostly i just want to know what was going on like yeah was did you get bit by something you yeah. get uh, a <laughs> weird experiment shit, shit if i know I, I i went to sleep human i woke up half bug do you want to play commander <laughs> <laughs> do you want to find karate <laughs> I like this thing where where I'm completely pushing past it. Like that, oh, yeah. you're Look. like ah. Look, uh, sure, I can see 360 degrees around my head. Uh-huh. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, I got smash. Do you want to play? <laughs> okay. What if that was the t- the, the case? Oh, if I came over and you were like, I've got wings and mandibles mm-hmm. and some like pincers and whatnot. But you're like, yo, I got smash you down. I'd be like, fuck yes. <laughs> but I'm gonna play. Scoot it from- your bug <laughs> ass over. I'm sitting on the couch, <laughs> but I'm gonna play it from my house. <laughs> Cool, I'm going to buy a Switch, we will play online, mm-hmm. my dude. Yeah, how how many super reflexes did that bug nonsense give you? When I'm like, none dude, stop it. You're like, no, look, obviously all I got was wings and pincers and uh, segmented eyes. I didn't get any of the superpowers. Look, dude, just sit down and pick Kirby. Look, it's very unpleasant to watch me eat heavily sauced pasta, but otherwise, this ain't shit. Look, dude, (laughs) sit down. You get first choice. Uh Did you want to be Pikachu? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I hope you do. I don't. I, I, Pikachu has never been my jam. Oh, Pikachu was broken in the very first. I know Smash. because of his lightning thing that, that hit people on, le- on levels above him and shit. Oh yeah, yeah. He was straight broken. Yeah, but but the most recent one I played was uh, the most powerful or most busted character was Meta Knight. See now for me. The one that I want to play the most, regardless of how good it is, is always Captain Falcon. I want a Falcon Punch, even if he's garbage. I know. I feel. I that, know he's garbage here, yeah. and I do not care. I feel that way about a bunch of the new characters they add. And, and, and folks, if you're wondering why we're jamming on about this, it's because I will be buying a Switch tomorrow and Smash. Yeah. Uh, so that's probably what will actually happen instead of us reviewing a movie like we're supposed to. So, I, But I'm super excited about playing as Simon. Yeah, I really want to play that Simon, and I have never played a Pac Man, and I'm really Ooh. excited about that. And, and also, fucking, Sonic, fucking Mega Man. No, Sonic was in Brawl, no, so I didn't, I, I didn't really play uh, Brawl. I got my of, more than like yeah. a couple times. I got my fill of Sonic, but but Mega Man. Holy shit, do I want to play as Mega Man? I don't care about Mega Man. I love Mega Man. I don't even. Here's the thing: if you play Switch with me, if you come, if you don't get your own Switch, and you come to my house, get ready for a situation where all the songs in the game are just the Mega Man songs forever. <laughs> <laughs> I I hope you like Metal Man tune. I boy howdy. I stand hard for for uh, for Capcom Mega Man tunes from the eighties. That is the the ultimate in my jam. What so would you say systems is your uh, yeah? <laughs> All right, I guess we should probably cut this bu- this bullshit off. This book's like eighty pages long. We've been going for like I don't know. The computer screen turned off twenty minutes ago. Uh, what would you say is your favorite thing about systems failure? Uh, systems failure is the most concise and like, thought-out book I think I've seen from Palladium to the point where it has the closest semblance of balance. Mm -hmm. It has the most direct idea of what you should be doing. Yeah. And the book itself, like, the layout of the book feels fresher. It does. I like that they do the monsters before they do the PCs to really kind of give you this sense of this is what's taken over the world. Yeah. Yeah. They give you a good idea of what's going on in North America, and each section of the U.S. that it gives you is like, here's what's going on here, here's the adventures you could have there, here's the problems you would face, and the, like, good things that are there. And it gives you, like, I think six different sections of the U.S., so you've got a bunch of different places you could set it, Mm -hmm. different themes to go off of. Yeah. I. That's the best thing in this book, is that it's an actual book you could use to play a game. Yeah. For example, it'll show you the problems going down in your neighborhood in West Philadelphia on a little map in the back there. Oh, yeah. hmm <laughs> There were some bugs, and they were up to no good. And they started making trouble in <laughs> the neighborhood. I love that that's just like a John Trap. I can <laughs> mention any part of that song. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so... <laughs> So that's your favorite thing about the game is that it's concise, effectively, and concise and, and has a point to it, which is yeah. rare in a, in a shaggy dog well, Palladium game. One of the things I've mentioned before about Palladium is it's very kitchen sink mm-hmm. in its design philosophy. Yeah. I mean, even for things that are supposed to be more, like, thematically focused, like we were saying with, like, Nightbane, you've still got weird random aliens and... Vampires are in there and regular psychics and regular wizards. Yeah, it's it's just like... Sambita can't make a book without including shit he's included in other books and several of his people because if I remember correctly, Nightbane is almost 100% CJ Corella. Yeah, so for that one, it's like, what's in here? Oh, uh, we all we have this entire theme around Nightbane, but there's literally no way I'm not going to include like a good guy and mages and whatnot. Yeah, a good guy light energy alien is in that that that. that race is like what is that doing in nightbane what's it it blows up the whole theme that you were going for yeah it's very weird it doesn't belong there yeah and even the things were like oh there's regular vampires i'm like there shouldn't be there should just be things that have vampiric qualities that people mistake as vampires yeah but no so that's the fact that this book manages to not be like oh there's also uh holy paladins there's a weird guy who runs around he's got a magic sword and shit you're like oh no yeah it's It is about as grounded, but still being sci-fi post-apocalypse as you can get. There's no point where it's like, and then the all-principled Holy Knights Templar came over from England, and they all have glowing fire swords. Yeah. So the focus of this book is the best thing. What about you? Uh, I'm going to say I really like the monsters. Uh, Normally, I would be kind of down on a book where you can't, there's no kind of thug monster you can fight that's, like, every, every bug in this book is a real threat. Like oh, a real yeah. threat for a whole party of four. I mean, honestly, the thug monster is zombie humans. humans. It's zombie humans, or even just bandits and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but I, I like the idea that the monsters are that these bugs aren't just something you can mow down, and that every one of them takes a tactical, thought-out fight. Now, does the game give you a way to generate an actual tactical, thought-out fight full of ambushes and traps and stuff? No, but I like the thematics of it. I mean, it kind of does. Mostly in Palladium, you get the thing that does the most D6s times 10, you point at the enemy, and you pull the trigger till the enemy's not moving anymore, and that's the full extent of tactics. Yeah. Uh, you try to get as many attacks per melee round as you can, and that's it. Now, the book, I'm going to go ahead and, once again, go hard for this book. Sure, fire away. Uh, it does actually have a thing where army ants will sort of lose their ability to function... As well, if they don't have a leader, so it's one of those things where tactically you're like, all right, if a killer bee and like five army ants or something show up, you're fucked anyway. But you, sure, go ahead. Well, at that point, you're like, if we can kill the bee, mm-hmm. then the ants will sort of lose their shit, and we can fuck them up in like get them trapped. We can uh, confuse them. We can make them run away. We can intimidate them. Uh, or there's also more likely they'll here. all blow themselves up and do huge amounts of damage to you and the surrounding well, area. That's, just you because you're a dick GM I'm so, just saying they put the option in there why why do that eh they also include roach motels which are ways to trap bugs mm-hmm. so you can and it like pulses an energy signature that bugs can't resist and when they turn into energy to go inside of it it traps them there that's that is pretty cool because they can't do their suicide attack when they're energy yeah and you can use them as a, an attack so you blow the uh, motel up and it does damage and you can actually hurt other bugs with themselves. You know what? You've convinced me. This is a better game than I I've, I've been being mean to it because it, it has a lot of Because di- that's your brand. Well, no, it's not just my brand. There's also a lot of friendly to dick DM tools in here. Yeah. which are, aren't necessary. They're, they're this book's got a lot of appendix appendices floating around in it. They're like, also if you're a piece of shit DM, here's a dumb thing you can do that the players can't do shit about, but you don't have to use them. No. Uh I mean, it's it's not great that it's in there, mm-hmm. but You know, I feel like the the whole suicide attack thing should have been one type of bug's power Mm -hmm. that wasn't the army ant. That's fair. Uh, What would you say is your least favorite thing about this game? Uh, the worst thing in this game is, I want to say there's a split between the whole NORAD and not NORAD. And a lot of this book's page count is given over to NORAD's stuff. Mm-hmm. So if you want to do a thing where are like, oh, we're the Wyoming Irregulars and we're militiamen and nobody's a NORAD thing, then you don't get any of the cool stuff in the book. Yeah. Because it has like, there's some weird like biotech things. That's actually what I was going to pick for my least favorite thing. You have energy weapons and like uh, a power suit mm-hmm. and nonsense like that or the Roach Motel. Yeah. And you don't get access to that, but the page count gives you a lot. It it was a little too much focus on that. Like, if NORAD had been a supplement book to Systems Failure, I think this would have been... Yeah, that much better yeah because Norag could probably use more focus and then uh, yeah I, I agree with that i was my least favorite thing i was going to say is that the book couldn't help itself it went a little hardened paint palladium towards the end there it was like here's three suits of power armor and a bunch of energy tubes that kevin simbita drew yeah uh that's where that machine gun that requires a physical strength of 19 to use is located which you know at that point you're like oh well it's, it's being armor. used by the power armor yeah. so it's fine it's uh, it's fine but but uh it was like, oh, also in the grim and gritty future where everyone's all hardscrabble and shitty and stuff, someone's building white indestructible ceramic super lasers. And you're like, what? No, don't don't, don't mix the streams. Yeah. Having NORAD be a supplement where they're like, here's a whole book about how your post-apocalyptic hardscrabble life sucks and your scrappy humans are trying to take back the US. That's and a book. Yeah. That's the book. And then a NORAD supplement for the like, did you want weird sci-fi nonsense? Here you go, you can do that. Yeah, they call it like, you know, uh systems failure, the Shangri-La project or something, and it's like oh, it'll just be systems failure, NORAD. NORAD. Here's a part of the world where a bunch of scientists got together and started building super lasers in response. As yeah. it stands, the two it's kind of oil and water. Yeah, it it ends up the main theme of it gets a little undermined by that NORAD stuff. Yes. Would you play this game? Honestly, I would. Hmm? I yeah. did play it once. Yeah. Uh, had one of my buddies run a systems failure game. I think we only played it once or twice. Mm -hmm. But I was like, this is interesting. Yeah. But we did run across the thing where it's like, oh, dude, if an army ant attacks you and you weren't ready for it, or you're just like one or two people, he's going to fuck your shit up. You have to be ready for that. Because he ambushed us, just like came out of a socket somewhere. We were like, fuck. I mean, that's the other problem is the ambushes by the bugs are super common because they just come out of sockets. Well, they don't know where you are are that's true the other thing is if you've heard a bug it's real easy for them to get reinforcements and the reinforcements thing is a little on the overwhelming side where it's like yeah yeah if you piss off an army ant, a hundred army ants will come out of a socket and in 10 in, in, in about a minute and a half and you're like oh well that's i can't fight that so i guess that's the end of the fight yep that's the plan well i mean you have to let them get away because it's not like their psychic link goes for hundreds of miles that's true so you'd have to have been like, oh, we're fighting, and one of them escaped. And at that point, you're, you're like, like, all right, well, it's go time. It's gotta go, yeah. So, uh, so okay. Well, there you go. You you would play the game. I would. Would you? Yeah. Why not? I'd play pretty much any Palladium game once, just to just to and, see. And this one's got a fun story. I mean, I I know I've been coming down a little bit, mostly just in comparison to John. I, yeah. I but, mean, you you can't we can't both be the same. Uh, yeah. Uh. But um. But no, I would play this. It it the I really did like the premise, and I would like to really lean into the premise being that, that cultural civilization stopped at the end of 1999. That would be a lot of fun to play with. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure the book doesn't really play with that. Instead, it just goes like, oh, and everyone in the, in the you, you encounter at this point has survived for nine years, so they're usually stoic, gritty, you know, Book of well, Eli you've been, types. Yeah, you've been living in a post-apocalypse yeah. for nine years. So all of them have gone h- hard of the paint on that. And I'm like, I don't know if I would do that. I- I'd like to play someone who was already 35 when the apocalypse happened. So, you know, he's got 35 years of built up, like, I was alive in the 80s and 90s to play with. Duh. That's kind of what I want. Some guy who's like, fuck you, Bugs, I'm going to kill you like I killed the Thompson Twins. <laughs> and he, also, he killed the Thompson Twins. He killed the Thompson Yeah, he famously killed the Thompson Twins. Uh, so, yeah. I'm going to kill you like... Eric Menendez did his parents perfect. See, that's the kind of thing I want to do. Like if you, I don't know if, if that was in the nineties. I don't know if that was early 2000s, if, But whatever. If, but the thing is, I would like to play in a game where culture ended at a specific point, and then, you know, people kind of built from that. Like what happened if if uh, it, you know, the year two thousand didn't happen. We don't get, you know, no one makes references to the X-Men movies. They happened in the year 2000. The the year 2000. Mm -hmm. Things that came out in 2000 included the the first X-Men movie. Uh, I believe Blade. No, that was 98. So Blade's pretty much the height of superhero movies. Yeah. The whole superhero renaissance never happened. Mm -hmm. We never really got past boy bands, honestly. Uh, Exactly. I mean, 99 is pretty much the end of Third Wave Ska. Third Wave Ska lives on in this universe. You're gonna find one of those hard scrabble guys mm-hmm. who has like a uh, like a shop out there where he fixes up old trucks. He's like, well, "Why don't you come on in and sit a spell while I work on the truck? Let me put some music on." <laughs> yeah. Oh shoot! While I was fixing up your Chevy, my wrench dropped. Could you pick it up? Pick it up? Pick it up? <laughs> uh. I don't mind my seven foot long wallet chain. <laughs> Would you like to take out my power armor? As you see, I've made the feet checkerboard. <laughs> uh, Engage Skank Protocol. <laughs> That's the game I would play if I'm being honest, and that might show up in the in the uh, bonus content. Which, by the way, speaking of. We've got bonus content. Yeah, if you want more of this, then head on down to patreon.com slash system and support us at any one of the levels that's available to you, and you will unlock the system mastery bonus content where we make characters in the game that we just described at extraordinary length. Now, if you want to know what we would play in a weird post-apocalypse versus bug stuff, We're going to make characters. Yep, we're going to each make a character and describe them to each other and have a good old banger of a time. Hell yeah, a banger in the mouth. (laughs) A nice banger in the mouth. I'm sorry, that doesn't sound good. A nice sausage in the mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, so... If you'd like to do that, once again, Patreon.com slash System Mastery. Any level unlocks the System Mastery bonus content, but don't let that stop you. There's two more good levels to go to. Uh, actually, there's several more good levels to go to, if I'm honest, but there's two more that unlock there's content. There's two good ones. Two bucks will unlock all of our Expounded Universe Star Wars discussion podcast content, and five bucks unlocks our Afterthought, our Heck monthly yeah. show that's really, really good and gives you a secret channel on our Discord. Indeed. Go to our Twitter Go to our pinned tweet, and you can find the link to Discord. Mm -hmm. If you are already uh, a patron, you can link your uh, Patreon and Discord. Mm -hmm. You'll automatically get access to the secret channels. Mm -hmm. Your uh, name will change. Mm -hmm. The color will show what you are as a patron. Yeah, it's a really good uh, uh, deal. And plus, the thing we do most of on Afterthought is answer listener questions. So if you have questions you want to ask us, that's the best way to do it. Or he could just shoot them to us on Twitter and Facebook and Gmail and shit. Do that, and then maybe we'll answer. You maybe never know. We will. You certainly won't do it on air. God knows. Yeah. So to get that, once again, we're system mastery. Everywhere you look. There you go. Everywhere you look. Everywhere you look, there's it, a hot any, a hand to hold on to. It's any sitcom. I I I knew that was going to happen. This was fully planned. It's any sitcom at all. I can the, anything. The little, yeah. Anything that I know the theme song mm-hmm. to. As always, folks, if you head to our website and click on the give us some money option for 50 bucks, you can have us read a message on the air on one of our shows to a person you or to no one or to everyone, whatever you would like. It's 50 bucks. It's on our website. And we actually have one this week. Woop woop. It's been a few weeks. We apologize. This should have been a while ago. This is all my fault. The following is a thank you letter to our GM of five years who just successfully completed a superhero campaign, and it is my understanding also recently acquired his first ever book deal. John, take it away. To Tyler. To the very best GM who ran the most engrossing, engaging, and exciting superhero game for the last five years. Your passion and creativity is inspiring and created a truly memorable gaming experience that had us starting out by stopping a bank robbery and finishing by saving the multiverse. Throughout it all, you tailored a story that was personal, heroic, funny, dramatic, action-packed, and always a joy to be a part of. Thank you for helping shape a world for us to play in. And now, some of the best quotes from the game without any context. I guess we should just take these one at a time. Sure, go for it. All right. Uh, New scrying pool, who dis? That's right. I'm going to found a time-traveling FBI for the sole purpose of keeping me from doing stupid shit. A whole bureau of self-control. We need someone to translate from nerd to fortune teller. Existential crises are one of the first things I worked out in beta testing. Ancient Greeks really didn't know how to play fuck, marry, kill in their pantheon. They just didn't realize there were commas. You say... We are Earth Prime. But what makes our reality the Prime one? Because our Earth is the one that turns into a red semi. Congratulations, we are saving the world with concussive engineering. I'll need to give up some of my DNA because my evil grandfather is going to demand a clone of me specifically. Make it out of your appendix. Make it the most useless part of yourself. It's like Sharknado, but with zombies. A Winnebago filled with them. A zombago. You land in Styrofoam, so you take no impact damage. Downside... That was load-bearing styrofoam. We are from Earth. We bring greetings and doom. I can't tell if they aren't human or just British. (laughs) Well, there we have it. Uh, For those who may be interested in seeing the writings of Tyler, who, again, congratulations on your recent acquisition of a book deal. Check out his website at Tyler-Hayes.com. That's uh, H-A-Y-E-S. Tyler-Hayes.com. And a special thanks again to david for sending us the 50 bucks to get us to read all this stuff on the air once again if you would like us to read all this kind of stuff on the air and i love the idea of sending out a thank you to a dm that's that's oh yeah i think this is probably the best use of that option we've had yeah so so kudos to that that's fantastic uh if you want us to send a thank you to your dm or to tell them they're doing a terrible job just head on down to system mastery click on the give us some money button it's easy enough to find and give us some money just do it yeah why not also don't make us read anything Yeah, we don't want (laughs) to. Thanks again, Tyler, for your DMing, and thanks, David, for purchasing this option. All right, so are we done? Yeah, I was trying to remember how the Mr. Belvedere theme song started so I could get you with that, but I couldn't remember. It was something about Dropkick a Jacket. Yeah. (laughs) Dropkick a Jacket, When you, came through the door no one cared yeah that's the one okay yeah all right that's everything thank you so much for listening everybody we'll see you in two weeks with more system mastery and we'll see you a lot sooner with all of our other content so come along won't you and join us and until that time have a good week